Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise. I am here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Roman Lysecki. He is the CTO of BG Networks. And I noticed you have a doctor in front of your name there, Roman. Now it hurts when I do this. Can you help me out there? Well, I can provide you some some guidance on that, but it wouldn't be my area of expertise. So I'm a I'm a doctor of uh, computer science, uh, and I was a professor at the University of Arizona for uh, for many years, and still a professor emeritus there. Okay, so I do have something to talk to you, about, but let's let's just dive into that a little bit, if 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 you don't mind. Um, were you, were you teaching undergrad or grad? I was teaching both of those, and so. Uh, you do a little many. You wear many hats as a professor, uh, both uh, teaching undergraduates. It could be basic computer programming, all the way up to teaching uh, courses on the Internet of Things. Um, and then at the graduate level, courses are usually more aligned with research areas. Uh, mine of which was uh, embedded systems, and then in particular, cybersecurity for embedded systems in IoT. Okay, so here's where I put you on the spot. Uh, are the current graduates um, ready for the workforce? Are, are, are we teaching them what they really need to know? We are teaching them the foundations of what they need to know, but that foundation is very broad. And where they can get the specialization, which is then up to the individual students, is their choice of the technical electives that are available. And so there are courses that are preparing students for those needs, but it depends upon what students are choosing to specialize in. So it's a bit of a yes and a no there. Okay, so your expertise is in security. Do we teach security in the universities for what people need to know? I mean, and, and it's something that moves so quickly. Is it even possible to, to be at the forefront? Uh, we do, and, and it'll vary from program to program. There's a lot of cybersecurity specific programs created. Uh, I think most computer science, computer engineering, electrical engineering programs, they will have elements that will teach some of the basics of computer security. It may be targeted though at network uh, security, and it might not be targeted at embedded systems IoT. And so I think when you get into an embedded engineer, someone who's going to go into that field, uh, they might not have quite the level of depth you would need to go right out of the box. So there's going to be a skills gap for them that they would need to probably learn on the job uh, as part of that process. Okay, excellent. Okay, so I'll stop peppering you about that. Let me let me get to what we really wanted to talk about here, and that is cyber resilience, which I am not that familiar with, and I know you are very familiar with. So explain to me, what is cyber resilience? And as it relates to the IoT specifically, why is it really important? So cyber resilience, you could phrase this as a couple pieces to it, but essentially it's it's being able to have a system that you can protect the system by detecting attacks, intrusions, or compromises, uh, mitigate those attacks and intrusions such that you keep your system functioning, especially the essential operations. You maintain continuity of them and then eventually cyber resilience should lead you to be able to recover from those attacks. And where, where that's been very important for IoT is 
the use of IoT within these critical infrastructures. So if you think about the smart grid, if you have an attack on uh, some substation automation equipment, those attacks could basically turn off power to the entire uh, portion of the grid or cause some cascading failures where the, the impact could be huge. So what you don't want to have is a system where if you're under attack, the system is down. You need a way to keep the system functioning while you mitigate and recover from that attack. And you don't want to, you don't want to have a, in that case, you can't simply turn off your substation automation and then reboot it. Uh, that's not really an appropriate cyber resilience. You need more sophisticated approaches to be able to keep the operations functional without shutting the system down. Does that have to do with containerizing in, in, in your RTOS specifically? Let the bad guy get in here, but he's, he, but he's only getting there and no place else. That's one of the approaches that you can actually use for a cyber resilient architecture is leveraging containers. Um, but then you want to layer uh, additionally, additional layers as part of that is to build essentially some components that allows you to monitor what's happening. So you detect the misbehaviors and then you need to have policies or automated processes in place to be able to automatically decide what to do when you see these various attacks or, or scenarios. Containers gives you a nice architecture for being able to facilitate that. And part of the key element I think for critical IoT systems is the automation of that. So if you have a manual process, so cyber resilience isn't new necessarily in the IT space, uh, but it's a very manual process of, it's the processes you have in place as a business for how do you respond to an attack that you detect and mitigate that. Uh, but it can be very slow. In some cases, you might need to go to a device to update the firmware. But you want an automated approach for these critical systems. You keep them running. We spend a lot of time talking about artificial intelligence and all the good things that it can do. Is it possible? I mean, I know it's possible, but how likely is it that we, we can turn the tables and use that, use those same AI algorithms to find the holes in a system and, and, to, and to enter a system nefariously, I like that word. Uh, so use AI to automatically find uh, holes so we can uh, fix them ahead of time. No, no, no. I mean, if I'm a bad guy, use the AI to find the holes to hack somebody. Oh, yes. Uh, I think you the tools, so the answer is yes, the tools that we, we use to help find those holes and fix them ahead of time, the attackers can certainly use those in a nefarious way to find the ways in to compromise these systems to be able to intrude into them and gain access. So it, they have the same tools that we might have available. Uh, and so again, that's part of the reason where if you don't have a, a vulnerability, if you have a vulnerability you don't know about and an attacker finds it before you do, that's where I think cyber resilience is kind of that key aspect is having a perfectly secure system with no vulnerabilities, no bugs, um, is, is usually infeasible or, or impossible to do with the current way we build systems. So attackers might be able to get in and we need to be able to quickly, rapidly respond to those. Okay, and what are you guys doing at BG Networks to make sure that these systems are safe? Uh, at BG Networks, so we have uh, our uh, twofold aspect there. It, one of them is you know securing the system making sure you have secure boot authentication. That's appropriate for when you want to boot a system and make sure on boot up, 
it is absolutely secure. Mm-hmm. The other area where we get into cyber resilience is some of the, the products that we're working on at, at BG Networks are based upon the research we were doing at the University of Arizona, which is the detection and cyber resilient aspect. So we would like to have a, not only the protection you build into the system ahead of time, uh, but being able to have systems that can detect when there's an attack on the system, be able to respond to that by reconfiguring the system into a safe state. There's some different ways you could do that. I always like to use the analogy of an automobile. Uh, when car manufacturers build automobiles, they have detection capabilities to identify when is the engine behaving in a way that could cause actual physical destruction. And under those circumstances, you can put the car into a, what they would call a, a limp mode. But that limp mode allows you to still drive home just at a reduced speed, uh, but it can get you there. You can get it to the dealer and they can look into what the problem is. And so you need this kind of uh, uh, capabilities built into your system. Essentially, a I detect an attack. How do I get into a limp mode so the system keeps running or a fail-safe mode to do that? Very interesting. Well, I very much appreciate you taking the time, Roman. This has been educational for me, and I'm sure for the audience as well. My pleasure, Rich. Uh, thank you for having me. That was Roman Lyzecki. He is the CTO of BG Networks, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.